This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Guys, if you're new with us, if you're a guest with us, thank you so much for joining us. Man, what a good crew this morning. A few folks hadn't seen in a while. Awesome. So glad to have you guys with us. If you're joining us online again, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, Church of the Harvest, we're just a, a family. We're just a small expression of the body of Christ. We love people. We love the Lord. We serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. And guys, I just want to as I continue, last three weeks have just kind of been a talk, right? Just kind of been talking, and, and, um, and, and I, I want to kind of continue that, and I'm, I'm going to, as I've done the last few weeks, I, I want to backtrack a little bit, and I want to review just a second, because I want you guys to get this whole, this whole vision, what, what, what I'm talking about. But, you know, we've talked the last couple of weeks about how we've come into, um, we're coming into, or have come into a new season, and, and as we come into a new season, hopefully you have remembered that God and people are the most important things in this life. That's it. God and people. Stuff passes away, doesn't it? Stuff can be stolen. Stuff can be taken. We can lose stuff. But God and people are what matter. But hopefully in the midst of that, you have remembered that God's mandate for his church has not changed. God's plan has not gotten off track in the slight. There's no detours. God's plan is right on track. And so we've talked about how new seasons, they bring change and they bring challenges, right? But they also bring new opportunities and open doors. And, and you know, we don't tend to necessarily like it because it brings the, the unusual and the uncomfortable and the different. But that's all right because we serve a God who has overcome the world. And if he's on our side, what do we have to fear? So we've got to stop looking at the circumstances. When we stop looking at the circumstances, we'll recognize what God is doing in the open doors that he has placed right in front of us. Talked about how alarms have been going off in the body of Christ, but America has kept sleeping. And, and we, as, as the church of Jesus in America, many times we've, we've felt or, or, or acted like it was, it was those in professional ministry that were called to do the work of ministry in the world. But really nothing could be further from the truth. Somebody say, it's about me. Guys, you are the church, and the church is a family. I hope you've gotten that over the last few weeks. Now, at Church of the Harvest, as a small expression of the body of Christ, as, as a family, a close family in the family of God, what is our vision? To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. How do we do that? What do we chase after? Community, discipleship, and outreach, right? So as I've said the last few weeks, this is a process in doing this, walking this out. It takes time and it takes energy, especially walking with people, walking with others through their mess and through their baggage. But guys, it's worth it. I hope you had somebody to walk with you in your life through your mess and your baggage, right? God's called us to be there and do the same for others. And so it's totally worth it. We talked about how in Acts chapter 2, the church of Jesus as it was just getting started. I mean, it was, it was so simple. They just simply loved God and loved people. And that moved them to action. They knew who they were. They knew what they were called to do. And they devoted their entire life to it, right? Guys, you are needed as part of the family of God. You are necessary. You are not insignificant. God has placed things within you to strengthen the family, to strengthen the church, the body of Christ. So don't bail out when things get tough. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. You are a vital part and you are necessary. First Corinthians chapter 12, right? We're all members 
of one body. We all have the same father. Amen? So recognize that you are a necessary needed part. Before I go any further, I want to invite up Crystal Lawson for just a moment. And she shared, some of you know uh, a little bit about her, her journey over this past year and, uh, and what she has walked through. But uh, she shared some things because how many of you know in the journey when things get difficult, many times that's when we get the biggest downloads from the Lord. <laughs> the Lord shows us things and reveals things to us that we couldn't see before. And so she began talking to us about, to Sean and I, about some, some things the Lord had been speaking to her through the circumstances of life and different things like that. And just really felt like this was something that that our church family needed to hear. And so she's going to take a few minutes and, uh, and kind of share where she's come through and what she feels the Lord's saying. All right. Good morning, everyone. And thank you for letting me share what God's been putting on my heart uh, to share for the last couple of weeks dealing with this different topic. And I, I do want to start out by saying this is the journey of kind of what's been going on with my body. What it's not, it's not me complaining and whining because, you know, nobody likes a pity party but the host. So, um, and it's not a healing testimony yet. I think that day will come, but it's not just yet because my healing journey looks different than a lot of other people's. Um, So not yet. And it's not an anatomy lesson, although it may seem like it, so bear with me. But if we wanted an anatomy lesson, there's a couple ladies over in this area that could do that much better than I could. Um, But I do want to just kind of share because I think it's important to understand the different things that happened within my body over this course of the last year. So one year ago this month, I traumatically broke my leg doing Taekwondo. So for whatever reason, I decided 38 years old was the time when I should start trying to do flying sidekicks. (laughs) Not recommended. It worked well for Chrissy in her 30s to tackle that. Did not work so well for me. Um, But so that, that night, one year ago this month, decided to run full force um, towards a a punching bag. Ran full force, leapt over obstacles, all of that was fantastic. Chambered my leg up towards my chest, perfectly positioned. Kicked it out with the, hit the heel to the bag, perfectly positioned to not break my toes. All of that was perfect. All my body parts perfectly lined up, perfectly operating except for when I landed. So I tell people I had a black belt level kick because that's what Grandmaster told me. But the landing was definitely a white belt level landing. And my shin bone didn't hold up. And so the top of my shin bone broke. And Charles, if you can show that image. So this is called a tibial plateau fracture. And it's where my shin bone or my tibia at the top broke all the way through and slid and displaced. So while that's really, really traumatic injury is because your shin bone's what carries your weight to walk. And it's particularly hard because it's up at the top where there's a lot of pressure um, from your thigh bone to, to put pressure on it to walk. And it's also significant because it's within the knee. So it causes a lot of different problems within the knee also. Um, so what that looks like is 12 weeks non-weight bearing. So, and then for me, it was two weeks extra because it took two weeks to do before I had surgery. So it was 14 weeks non-weight bearing because of this bone. So this started a domino effect um, all at the same time. So I hit, and I will reference some of my notes because it was a, it's 
a whole domino effect of different things. But at first, as soon as the beginning of this injury, I couldn't straighten my leg. So for two weeks until I had surgery, I couldn't straighten my leg. And then I had surgery. Um, and then I couldn't bend my leg. So it kind of went flip-flop backwards. Um, but the domino effect of things that happen from the point that I hit, broke that bone standing up to the point where I hit the ground, um, or as I was hitting the ground, two more bones broke. So it pulled my ACL ligament and, um, and broke off a small little bone in my tibia. And then as I was trying to catch myself, I broke my wrist. So kind of all of that happened within like three seconds or so from this one bone being broken. It also um, bent a nerve in my leg at the same time, that bone being displaced, there's a nerve that goes right there and it bent it. And so that caused some numbness and tingling, different problems going into my foot and into my toe area. Um, that the doctors at first didn't know if it was going to be permanent or not. Thank God it's not. I've got all that tingling stuff gone by now. Um, but didn't know if it was going to be permanent or not. And then um, some other things that was kind of going on with my foot and things like that from not walking uh, that causes problems with your toe. Apparently big toe is pretty important for walking. So I do physical therapy on my big toe. Who would have thought, right? And then I had a lot of um, my calf getting t really, really tight from not walking and using it correctly, which also caused problems with my ankle getting really stiff. So then I had to do physical therapy on my ankle. So this is while I was already doing physical therapy on my leg to strengthen it since I wasn't walking on my left leg at all. So I was kind of doing physical therapy on all three of those. Not, whoop, not too long after surgery, I had a little bit of a scare and we thought that I might have had a blood clot, which is a common problem with that particular surgery is compartmental syndrome. And went to the ER and came to find out like I didn't have any problems. Um, but I did, not too long after that, had problems um, with circulate, circulatory problems of my blood pulling all in my foot and not want to come back up. Apparently, if you don't use like your thigh muscles really good, it's hard for that blood to bring it back up. So had circulation issues with my foot. Also had like swelling in my foot and stuff like that. Had, um, had my scar start getting infected, my incision area. Apparently my, my, um, my stitches started going inward instead of falling outward. Also not recommended. <laughs> and then I went through a long time of where my knee wouldn't bend beyond 25 degrees. So full functionality of a knee is 90 degrees. Pretty important for walking. Um, and mine wouldn't go beyond just about here. And it just kind of got stuck for a long time. Did a lot of physical therapy to get it unstuck. I had to earn every degree from 27 to 90. Now I'm beyond 90, praise God. It's kind of a miracle that that happened. Um, but I did 14 weeks of physical therapy. Um, painful, painful, painful physical therapy. Almost passed out twice, like they had to put a hand behind me and catch me as I was about to fall. Got sick to my stomach. Um, cried to the point of my contact falling out. I mean, some just pretty terrible physical therapy to kind of get me back in line had to wear this, and I should have put up the picture, but I had to wear this, like, medieval-looking torture device thing. that I strap on my leg and turn a knob to force it to bend um, because my knee just refused to 
cooperate. Had some problems with what seemed to be bursitis in this part of my leg. Um, just really, really bad burning that still continues to be a problem today, um, even though it's, you know, a year later. So 14 weeks after the accident, I began to walk again. And kind of what I started learning <laughs> was just how uneven my legs had gotten. So 14 weeks of hobbling around on just my right leg on a platform walker because I couldn't use my, I couldn't use my wrist to bear any weight. So I had to, some of y'all saw this. <laughs> some of you remember um, me having to Velcro my arm down to a walker and walk with my forearm because I couldn't bear weight on it. Um, so all of, um, so you go into that. But what was weird was 14 weeks of hobbling around kind of on this leg and hopping and jumping made this leg about twice the muscle mass of this leg that had been deteriorating. So even though I've been doing a lot of physical therapy to beef it back up, it still didn't totally work. Um, there was a lot of unevenness um, that, that came from that of where it was about twice as bad. So I went through the season where things looked a whole lot better. I did get a lot of healing, got, got to where I was walking a lot more, was doing elliptical. I was like rocking it on elliptical, doing like almost about where I was before the accident. What I didn't know is that in some ways I was hurting myself because I was strengthening certain parts of my leg muscle by doing elliptical. It works like the front of your leg and the back of your leg, but not the sides of your leg. Come to find out the side of your leg is pretty important for walking straight. Um, so what had happened was I also had ligament laxity. That's where my ligaments stretched as far as I could during the accident. So go back to before I even hit the ground, my ligaments had stretched as far as I could go without ripping. We didn't realize how bad that was till about a month and a half ago. Um, but we had strengthened my muscles so much in physical therapy that it kind of overcompensated for it until I started doing elliptical and things like that and working certain parts of my legs, but not other parts. And that started causing a lot of problems, a lot of slipping and popping of my knee. Um, not recommended. Again, there's a lot of not recommended things in this story, I know. Um, started having problems with my IT band that goes from this hip all the way down here. Um, causing problems there with the slipping and the popping. Uh, the band rolls over a certain part of the bone right here called IT band friction syndrome. And then so with all of this slipping and popping, it's made me start walking a little crooked and standing a little crooked. So anytime that you stand or walk crooked, it affects the other leg and it affects your back. So over the last couple of months, I've had a lot of problems with my lower back that slowly started creeping up my back on the right hand side over to my hip, um, my side and up to my right shoulder. So in the last two months, I've had physical therapy and problems all the way from this lower calf up to this right shoulder and kind of everywhere in between. So I say all of those details. <laughs> and I'm going somewhere. Like I said, it's not an anatomy lesson. But along the way, as all of that's kind of started hurting, other parts of my leg started overcompensating too. So I've been shooting pains down this side of my calf and, and having like major, major knots all in my calf. And all of that's because of weakness in certain parts of my leg and things not being quite lined up in the rest of my leg. And then we've also discovered that this, like, there's a tiny little muscle in the back of my knee that pretty much, like, doesn't work anymore, that we're having to tell it it's got to start working again. And, um, and that helps you, like, unlock your leg. Um, so apparently mine doesn't, like, 
doing that, like, either going straight or being all the way bent, but not kind of in between starting. I just kind of, well, I kind of do that. But um, so we've kind of discovered, like, all these little body parts that stopped working or don't work right anymore. So to say all of that to say that all of this um, goes back to that one picture. One bone, one bone was displaced. One bone, it took one second of one bone deciding it wasn't gonna work right and that it didn't stay in place. And all of those things, like I said, I didn't mean to, it's not a pity party and not an anatomy lesson, but all of those things, I think it's important to see that this has kind of been the journey over the last 12 months and two, and two weeks. Because that one bone, that one bone totally started this whole journey and impacted all of these different things. And it's made all these other body parts not be in alignment anymore. So what's interesting about that bone is that bone has been healed now. I mean, they, they put a plate and three screws kind of shoved it all back in. But then the bone itself has healed up and like doesn't even really need the plate and screws anymore. Not that they're going to go take them out, but that bone's been healed for about six or seven months now. So more, like more than half of the things I described has all happened since that bone is totally healed. It's back in place. But yet, all of these things still kept happening because that bone at one point was displaced. So we get into what Pastor Rob was talking about, about, past, about 1 Corinthians 12, about that we're all members of a body. The Holy Spirit has been dealing with me over the last couple of weeks that, that there needed to be a warning that goes out prophetically to our church of do not get displaced. And the Holy Spirit didn't show me who needs to hear that. The Holy Spirit did show me that I needed to share the details of what it looks like when things get displaced and how it wrecks havoc on the whole rest of the entire body because that one bone, seemingly insignificant, this tiny little bone, but it wrecked havoc on my entire body from being displaced. And the Holy Spirit just keeps showing, do not get displaced. Do not get displaced. If this is the family that the Lord has called you to, this local family, stay here, stay put. Take on the challenges that Pastor Rob has been throwing out there the last couple of weeks. It's hard. The things he's describing is not easy. It's not a cakewalk. It's challenging what he's challenging us with. And I thank God for you, man of God, for challenging us. Thank you. I know it's hard to be pushed in physical therapy. My physical therapist, he's like, you're like the only one that lets me put you through all this pain and turn around and thank me. <laughs> he said, you're rare. But thank you, man of God, for challenging us. That's how we grow. That's how our body gets stronger. But don't run away from that challenge. If you're a member of this body, and I know we're not saying members anymore, but if you are a family member, if you're part of this family, stay put, don't get displaced. And then the other second thing I want to point out really quickly is also, so it's dis displaced and then disproportionate. A lot, like the second half of my story was about disproportion. My leg was disproportionate, like to, left to right. And then the muscles that were worked too hard and had to overcompensate disproportionately 
and all the pain that that caused and all the knots and the muscles and all these issues was because of disproportionate amount of body parts working. If you are not doing your part as a member of a body, this body, if you're not serving where you should be serving, if you're not toting your load, then start doing it. Get in place. Get in alignment. Do your part. Because what happens when, like, this one muscle that's really, really weak that we didn't even know was really weak, this muscle not doing its job anymore has caused all these knots here. So all my calf is over here trying to be this muscle. If you're called to serve in this ministry and you're not, start serving. Ask. Ask the Lord. Lord, where would you have me serve? Ask the leadership where they need help. Because God didn't just call you just to be part of this family and not do anything. If I have family over to my house, I expect them to help clean up the dishes afterwards. That's what this family is, right? We don't just come over and just get to eat together. We get to do dishes together, right? That's what family does. We're not guests in this house. We're family. Stay rooted. So don't get displaced. And don't let a disproportionate amount of work get done by other people that should be being done by you. Yeah. Amen? And I want to add, Crystal, yours is a healing story. It is. And we continue. The fact that you're standing up here and you're able to say the words that you're able to say, the progress that you've made. And we're believing for the rest of it. How many of you have been standing this past year and believing and prayed, Crystal, and we declare it done in Jesus' name? And so we continue to stand with you. But guys, what a, what a powerful reminder in the, in the midst of everything. Um, we are all members of one body, right? Uh, the, the body of Christ. And as one part gets out of place, man, things it can do. So... I need to just skip half this. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, with that in mind, we need to, we've got to unite as the body of Christ. We've got to stop looking at differences. We've got to walk together to accomplish God's purposes in the earth. And that is why I said that I wanted to stop calling ourselves members of Church of the Harvest because we're members of the family of God. Amen. This may be our close family in the, in the body of Christ, but we're not any better than any other part. And yes, it's messy sometimes to walk together, but uh, we've chosen to link arms and do life together because we recognize we're stronger together than we are individually, despite our differences. And, um, and so as we pursue community, uh, so the, the two things I've given you the last two weeks, as we pursue community, the best part, if you're part of the family of Harvest, the best thing is to get connected in our community connections. And I, we've got a couple of things under that. Through that, we provide ways for you to connect and meet up with other families. We've connected ways for you to, uh, to be mentored by another person for a season. Uh, but as I said a couple weeks ago, our community groups are still the best place for you uh, to find community, to be discipled, and to uh, reach out to others by drawing them into that family unit. I, I told you a couple of things. I asked everybody, if you're a member of Harvest, a, a family member of Harvest, I asked you to, to please uh, jump in here in a couple of weeks and become a part of a community group. That We are no longer going to be semester-driven, but we're going to build family relationships. That group leaders are going to be more facilitators, facilitators of the group and facilitators 
facilitators of spiritual uh, growth. And, and the goal would be to have the whole family um, interacting and, and connecting and, and, and contributing. And I talked, I talked last week about how it's, it's kind of like a church within a church. Remember that? But really, Sean and I were talking on the way home last week. And really, you've got the body of Christ, which is the church. And then we got our, our closer family. If, if you're here part of the family harvest, then it could be Church of the Harvest. And then we've got our community groups. And then you've got your family, right? It, it, it's kind of a, a church within a church within a church within the church. The church. Amen? But we're all family. And so, um, so we talked about how our groups are going to be people-based, not so much topic-based. And you may have some great things to share, but if somebody shows up and they're hurting or lonely or weary or, for heaven's sake, they don't know Christ, they are the priority. Absolutely. Uh, talked about how some of our groups, will, um, our groups will exist to build community, to give the opportunity to be discipled and to be a, a source of outreach. And, and, and if, you're, if you're not inviting folks to your community group, then you've missed the point. Because again, it's all about people, right? It's all about people. We don't ever want somebody to walk through these doors and not be invited to join with other families in community. Talked about how we want older folks and younger folks, folks discipling one another and mentoring one another. And, and we want families taking care of one another. We want reproduction to be a priority, but we want a place where people can, can shine and where they can share and where they can step up and where they can lead. So in doing this, this is one of the things that we do to begin to take responsibility for our part in the church, not just going to church on Sunday. I hate the term doing church. We don't do church. We are the church, right? And we don't expect just those in senior leadership to do the work of ministry. We take responsibility. We each individually carry out God's plan in the earth. So, so with community connections, you have community groups, you have um, community meetups, and you have mentoring. And so we discussed that at length, but then we talked about discipleship. And under discipleship, guys, community groups are a great place for you to be discipled because uh, iron is going to sharpen iron. Amen? And so with this... Um, we're starting a new part of the ministry. We're talking about um, uh, being able to equip you at your own pace. And so we want other opportunities for you to be equipped. The more spiritually mature you are, the more influence you can have and the more impact you can make. John 15, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory. You want to bring the Father glory? How do you do that? Bear much fruit. And by doing so, you show yourselves to be a disciple of Jesus. Amen. We do that through being discipled, through discipleship. So I told you we're launching a new arm of the ministry starting in a couple weeks. We're calling Equipping You. And under that umbrella, we have several things, just like we had community connections. I told you on Sunday mornings during our weekend services, we're going to get back to the basics. We're going to talk about what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to live the Christian life? How, what is our mission? How are we equipped? How do we accomplish it? We're going to spend a good amount of time in the epistles. Why is that? Because that's what the apostles were doing. They were teaching the early church. They were teaching these new believers, these new followers of Jesus, what that actually meant and what it looked like. And it's exactly the same for us today. And so we talked about how in Sunday school, starting in a couple weeks, our Sunday school is going to be devoted to equipping you with the tools you need to fulfill God's plan for your life, the mission he has for you, to lead others to Christ, to walk people in healing, into healing, into freedom, and to actually disciple them into mature believers. Under that, we're also going to have our equipping classes. A three-month class is offered three times a year. And our, the classes will discuss everything from marriage, family, uh, parenting, the gifts of the Spirit, healing, godly stewardship, whatever it may be, uh, will be discussed in our um, equipping classes. And the last thing under equipping you is our ministry school. Our ministry school is a two-year program uh, to equip uh, believers 
for, uh, for life of ministry. Uh, class meets once a week in spring and fall semesters, and some of the classes include healing, prayer, evangelism, doctrine, stewardship, leadership. There's all kinds of different things. And when you end that, you get um, a two-year diploma of Christian ministry from Global Ministries and Belief uh, and Relief. And um, uh, how many do we have graduating this, this year? Are you, there you go. There you go. All right. Graduation is in June. It is going to be Father's Day weekend. Dr. Leon confirmed uh, this week. And so, uh, so goes, guys, those are the opportunities. So community, we have our community connections. Uh, discipleship, we have equipping you, our, our weekend services, our um, Sunday school, equipping classes, and ministry school. And so with that, here's the thing that I want to, the point I want to make today. That covers community and discipleship. But those two things really only exist. Christian community and discipleship really only exist for one reason, guys. It all points to one thing. It's to prepare us for our mission in life, which is to reach others, right? Outreach. That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. As I've said before, guys, if God did not have a mission for you in the earth, then he would have taken you to heaven the moment you made Jesus Lord of your life. Right? That means you have a reason for being here. Well, I'll live to worship the Lord, brother. You're going to do that in heaven too. There's a reason that you're doing it right here. There's a reason, right? We are on the earth to lead people to him. We have got to look beyond our desires and ourselves. We've got to get outside of our compartmentalized, structured lives because many times that's all we can see. It's time for the church to stop seeing its primary responsibilities occurring within four walls. Whether it's a church building or a house or whatever it may be, we were meant to go out. Amen? So I would say this. Guys, if you are a Christian then you should be leaving your mark on your community. When Jesus stepped into a place, when you look at the Gospels, when Jesus stepped into a place, whether it was a home or a market or the synagogue, that place was rocked. It was totally changed because he was there, right? The place was transformed. Well, there's one issue. You're Jesus, <laughs> You're Jesus in the earth today, right? Awfully quiet. I, I know it's a hard statement, but if you look around and you don't see Jesus impacting your immediate environment, if you don't see him impacting your family, if you don't see him impacting your workplace, you're probably not keeping up your end of the deal. Because when Jesus is there, things change. Is it true or is it not? We're probably not living the surrendered life. We're not living out the mission that he gave us. Environments have changed just because we're there. We've got to get over ourselves. We've got to get over our agendas. We've got to get over our sense of even what is fair in life. We've got to man up, pull our weight do our part in the kingdom. we got to step out and do the uncomfortable. We need to be like the Father and filled with love. Actually, something I thought of that I mentioned a while back was, 
How many times do we see in scripture that Jesus would encounter somebody and it would say he was filled with compassion? When was the last time you were filled with compassion for those around you? You know, I actually went and looked it up for just a moment. I, I just, in two minutes, I found four instances when the widow's son had died. And, and it says that Jesus looked at her and he was filled with compassion. When there was 5,000 hungry folks, men, whatever, it says that Jesus was filled with compassion. When he had just found out that John the Baptist had died and he'd gotten away by himself on a boat and he came to the shore and the crowds were still there, it says they brought the sick to him and he was filled with compassion even while he was tired. There's a moment where we see two blind men come to Jesus and fall on their face before him. And it says he was filled with compassion. Why? Because he's all about people. Compassion, when referring to Jesus here, means moved to action. He could not stand there and see them in their current state and not do something. He had to be moved to action. He had to do something. And that's what we've been called to do. As a church family in this community, we should be leaving our mark on this community. This community, Hollow Branch, the Memphis area Metroplex, it should be different because our church family is here. And as a church family, that starts with each of us doing our part in our immediate sphere of influence. We need to serve and bless our community. We need to be the helping hand to those in need. It's all about showing the love of Jesus. How many of you have actually gone with us and served at the DeSoto Dream Center? Come on, lift your hands up high. I'm, okay, yeah, quite a few. Guys, free opportunity. Can you, get, can you get up a little bit early on Saturday morning and go out and serve food to those in need? What a simple way to show the love of Jesus. Meet a need. It's what Jesus did. And let me say this too. This is something that was mentioned in prayer yesterday. Thank you for you guys who've been coming out to prayer the last few weeks, man. Been awesome. But guys, we have got to reach the next generation. It is not happening. As a matter of fact, all the current stats say that this next generation is leaving the church in droves faster than any generation ever before. And I'll be honest with you, I, I personally, I, I think they haven't seen anything real. I think to them, they've seen hypocrisy and they've walked away. They've seen the word being preached and they haven't seen it walked out and lived out. And they don't want anything to do with that. I think they want to see something real and genuine. And I think it's driven away the next generation. They want something real to believe in and devote their lives to. And I'll tell you this, we look at them and you may have said it before, them crazy millennials. What's wrong with them? They're so lazy. They don't want to work. They just want to hand out. Whatever. Guys, they're the future of the church. If we don't embrace them, Sean and I will be the last pastors of Harvest. They're the ones. We got to love them. We got to accept them where they're at. Instead of looking at them weird with their weird lingo and odd piercings and tattoos and, and worst of all, skinny jeans. Where does that come from? Guys, we have to be Jesus to them. We have to be patient. We have to speak the truth and we have to address issues. But we can't write them off. 
because we're losing them. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that what? So that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who's in heaven. Who's giving glory to the Father in heaven? It's not you. It's those who see you because of what they see in you, because you let your light shine, because of your good works. They give glory to the Father. Guys, we have to be a godly example to the lost world around us. We got to walk the talk. Can't just say we're a believer. We got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They are watching our actions and our responses and our choices. And they're judging us based on that. Some of us just need to get the sourpuss look off of our face. A lot of people think, Christians, how you doing? How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. Be filled with joy and put it on your stinking face. We're supposed to be happy. Right? Filled with joy and peace, overflowing. They need to see that we're not too busy for them. They need to see our love. And here's the thing, something I thought of a couple days ago. We act like it's hard to find lost people. Like we have to go out witnessing and search for them. It's not hard to find lost people. <laughs> they're everywhere. Matter of fact, there's people who sit in church every Sunday and they're lost. They have no idea what it means to be a Christ follower. You probably work next to unbelievers every day. You probably pass a dozen of them without a glance every time you go to the store. They serve food in your restaurants. They're nurses at your doctor's office. They're your neighbors. And like I said, for heaven's sake, they walk through the doors of this building and they sit next to you sometimes on Sundays. It's kind of like Jesus called us to be fishers of men, right? And he brings the fish right to our boat, like swamps there. I mean, the, I mean, the water's just teeming with fish and we just don't want to put the line in the water. They're right next to us, right? They're right there. Guys, it's all about people. That's why we're on planet Earth. To share the hope. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my what? Witnesses. In Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said that as his followers, we are to be his witness. Witnesses of what? Man, we talked about this through the story. This is what it all boiled down to. It's the good news, right? Death has been defeated. Your sins can be forgiven. There's an open door back to the Father. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. You can come into the family of God. We know Jesus said, Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Did Jesus say here, go out on a Saturday afternoon and tell somebody about Jesus? Did he say, choose a, a morning to set aside to go forth and be my witness? He actually doesn't. I believe what he's saying here is, as you go into your world, look, you're, most of us in here are not called to be world missionaries. He's not saying to go to all the world. It doesn't mean you got to go to Kenya. As you go into your world, your sphere of influence, your workplace, your store, your school, whatever it may be, proclaim the good news to everybody. Not saying there's anything wrong with going witnessing, guys. But it was never meant to be an event. 
A witness is who we are, not what we do. We are a witness, right? Maybe it starts with you being trained and going out and going witnessing, but you are called to be a witness. It's a lifestyle, not an event. And it starts by living out the Christian life. Your light should shine before you ever open up your mouth. It's not hard. And these things, as you live that out, will give you the opportunity to share the difference that God's made in your life. That's why we're here. Most Christians have never led somebody to Jesus, ever. That's you. It's time to make a change. And I know it can seem scary and daunting and, and hard, but guys, it really doesn't have to be. I, I was looking, John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus speaking, and he says, peace to you, peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus said, be at peace. I'm sending you out. Guys, if Jesus sends us, we got nothing to worry about. We're going to be okay. We're going to be better than okay. Just start by loving people right where they're at. But as you live that life, people will begin to notice the difference in your life. And that's when we got to be really ready. That's why I told you in Sunday school, we're going to start. We're going to teach you how to lead somebody to Jesus. We're going to teach you how to lead people in healing, which, by the way, is a great witnessing tool. And the person in the cubicle next to you is having a rough day. They're in pain. What better thing to say, hey, can I, can I say a quick prayer for you? We're going to teach you to lead people in freedom. Guys, God, people are in bondage. They are chained up in bondage and don't know how to get out. We need tools to lead people in freedom. And lastly, we're going to teach you to disciple others. And guys, this is important because leading somebody to Jesus is not getting them to recite a prayer. Hallelujah. Another one for the kingdom. Check mark. Seriously? Lots of people have prayed to prayer. and They are not believers. They did not surrender their life. They did not repent and turn from their ways. Right? Walking with people in discipleship is huge. And I think it's one of the greatest things that the church, the modern church, has overlooked. We have to walk with people through thick and thin, through their baggage and all the stuff that they bring with them. You don't see baggage in the early church in the epistles. That's why Paul had to say some of the things he had to say. <laughs> Guys, we don't go to the temple prostitutes anymore. We serve Jesus now. This is the stuff he's saying, Right? We're going to teach you these things because it's our job to equip you for what God's called you to do. As I said, community groups will be one of our primary sources of outreach. It's easier to invite an unbeliever many times to a nice, comfortable home, to invite them to your home than it is to a church building. Some people are just turned off by the church. Invite them to a home and just say to that coworker, hey, I've got a group of friends. We get together once a week and we eat and we share. Why don't you come join us? Should be a primary source of outreach. We get them to come, yeah, bait them up with food. Then they're toast. Get them to come, they're toast, man. God's got them, right? Like I said, many Sunday mornings, some believers come right through these doors. It's too easy, guys. If there's somebody you see, if you're a part of the Church of the Harvest family, if there's somebody who walks through these doors that you don't know, introduce yourself. Be friendly. Oh, what? What? 
be hospitable. Come on. Get to know them a little bit. Invite them to your community group. Make them feel loved. Draw them in. I know that a lot of you guys for years have passed out those little cards we've had at the connection desk. And I know a lot of you have taken those and given them to waiters and waitresses and different people. Guys, we made up, we made up new cards that are at the connection desk today. Uh, there's only so many, don't take more than five or six. Some of you guys like picking up stacks. It's good, we'll have more. There's more, more by next week, maybe more tonight. Um, but guys, uh, it says, this is just a little reminder that Jesus loves you. And there's a QR code on the back, which has a brand new webpage on, the, on our church website that is active right now. If they scan that, it, there's a video that Sean and I made that, that uh, welcomes them and gives them information about the church and some different things like that and just lets them know that, that God loves them. So guys, I encourage you to get that and, and give them to, like say, you're at a restaurant. By, by the way, don't give this to a waiter or waitress if you're not tipping them, Okay. Any of you ever work a tip job? Some of you who haven't may not know this, but people who work tip jobs typically hate working Sunday afternoons because Christians are known for being cheap. I worked a tip job when I was in ministry school. When somebody would walk up to me and say, God bless you, brother, and hand me a track with no cash, I did the same thing that the unbelievers that my coworkers did. That thing went in the trash can. I'm being honest. Come on, give them a tip and add another five or 10 bucks to it. Then give that to them and let them know that Jesus loves them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we want to make reaching people as easy as possible. Coming next, Sunday, coming next week, two weeks from today, Sunday school starts two weeks from today. And we're going to start that and encourage you guys to come and be a part. It starts at 845 on Sunday morning, starting two weeks from today. Guys, it's all about people, and we're going after it. Amen? All that said, again, it's about us. It's about what Ms. Crystal said. It's about us taking responsibility for our part in the body of Christ. We don't want to be absent. We don't want to lose out. We don't want to not pull our weight. We don't want to slip out of place. We want to be right in the center of what God has for us. And through that, we will be a strength to the body of Christ. Amen? Time, no more sitting on the sidelines. We got to be all in, devoting our life to the Lord. What was the name of the series? Activated. Activated. Talking about that military term. When a soldier is put on full-time status, deployed on foreign soil to fulfill his mission. Guys, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have been activated and you have been deployed. This is not our home. We are not of this world. You're on foreign soil. You've been called to do something. Amen? You've been called to turn your environment upside down for Jesus. You have been activated and deployed on foreign soil. So we start. we got community, discipleship, and outreach. Community, guys, we need to know our comrades. We need to know who we're standing with. We need to link arms with our family. So get involved in a community group. Iron will sharpen iron. You'll be strengthened. Let's walk together. Recognize we're stronger together than individually. Secondly, let's choose to be equipped. Let's get involved in equipping classes, get stretched and grown. Let's dig into God's word. Let's pray like we have never prayed before. Understand, it is no accident, like I said last week, that you were born at this time in history. There's a difference that you're supposed to make. 
Guys, I don't want to come up short in the end. I don't want to come up short. God wants to use you to do things you can't imagine at this point. And lastly, all this equipping and all this community and all this word that you're full of, it's time to give it out. (laughs) Guys, yeah, I'm going to say it. A lot of folks in Spirit-filled church love to go from meeting to meeting for another touch from the Lord. Guys, touch of the Lord is awesome. Experience his manifest presence, awesome. But it's to empower you for something. If you're going from meeting to meeting to get, I don't know, slain in the spirit again, and you're not doing anything else, That's not empowerment, that's addiction. What are you doing with the divine touch? Go get the touch. Heck yeah. But then go and do something with that touch, with that empowerment, and lead people to Jesus like never before. Love people, lead them to Him. It's a new season, it is time for a change. We had a meeting yesterday. We were talking to, some of you know, our, our, our old friend Lou Shelley. Talked to him at length yesterday. He said, it's time for the church to make a change. We said, amen. Amen. It's time for a change. It's time for a change. We've got to wake up. The alarms are going off. It's time to seek and hunger after the Lord like never before. And so we are going to fine-tune everything here as a church family, Church of the Hearts, and everything is going to point that direction. So get involved in community. Get equipped and discipled. It's your job. It's your responsibility to pursue these things. Lastly, just love your neighbor. Show them that you have time for them. Show them that they're important. Show them that Jesus loves them. Amen? All starts in two weeks. It's time to be who we're called to be. I've asked three weeks in a row now, who's ready? All right. Thank you, Miss Angie. Appreciate it. Let's stand up. Every head bowed. Again, if you've walked in this place and you recognize that you don't need Jesus, standing in this building does not make you a Christian, guys. It it just doesn't. I don't care if you go to church every Sunday. It's not what makes you a Christian. Not what makes you a Christ follower. I don't care how much money you drop in the bucket or the receptacle. Doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Unbelievers sit in the church in America every single Sunday. So with your head bowed. If that's you and you're here and you would say, my life is not surrendered to him. Guys, this is your opportunity. I don't think I even need to say any more than that. You know within your heart whether you're a Christ follower. You know whether or not your life is surrendered. You know whether or not you're living for God or living for yourself. Anybody in this place that would lift their hand and say, I've got to surrender today. Who would lift their hand and say, I need to surrender to Jesus? Come on, guys. I know there's some here. 
Anybody in this place would say, I need Jesus. You may be watching online, and that's all right. You don't have to be here in person. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is there with you right now, and he is tugging at your heart, and he's pulling, and and you know it. You know it. We're going to say a prayer together. I just invite you, recognize that it's not so much a prayer about the prayer as it is the position of your heart. But when you say those words, I want you to mean it. When you say that you repent, make the decision that you're going to leave the old life behind. You're not going to live the way you did before, but you're going to live the way that God wants you to live. And that you're going to follow his plans and his desires rather than your own for the rest of your life. Trust me, (laughs) it's the best decision you will ever make in your life. It'll change everything. The creator of the universe will be walking with you. You'll be accomplishing your purpose and what you were created to do. And there is no greater satisfaction than knowing that we are fulfilling God's Father's will in the earth. Just pray with us. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I recognize that without him, I am so lost. I've tried to do it on my own. That's an utter failure. And so today, I confess my sin. I repent and I turn from it. I turn from my selfishness. And Jesus, I choose you because you chose me. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Thank you for going to that cross, for taking my judgment that I very much deserved and paying the price for it and calling me clean. I thank you for that great exchange I receive your forgiveness and I stand before you now blameless and I say here am I send me Lord Holy Spirit fill me and empower me to do everything that you've called me to do and I'll follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name Amen If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.